Genesis chapter number 24, how that God is working in the midst and Abraham sends his servant to get a bride for his son Isaac, the promised seed, and God, of course, through all that is eventually going to bring the Lord Jesus into this world, and then you and I are going to come into the faith as a result of his death, burial, and resurrection. But I'm, I'm interested in how this comes about. I'm interested in how in the world this servant that we're going to read of is going to persuade this young lady to leave everything she knows and all of her presence and all of her background to follow this servant. I'm interested in that. And let's begin reading in uh, verse number 11, picking up with the servant as he goes to get this bride. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Now I want you to underscore this prayer in your mind. Behold, I stand here by a well of water, and the daughters of the women of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink. And I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master. Now you understand the prayer. He's saying, Lord, I'm going to get a bride, and but uh, what I want you to do is, is, is the young lady that you want to be the bride, when she comes out with the pitcher on her shoulder and I ask her for water, I want you to say, well, I'll give you water, and I'll water the camels also. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out. And it goes on to say she had the pitcher upon her shoulder. Verse 16 said she was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran out to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water from thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. She hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all of his camels. The man, wondering at her, held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. It came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two braces for her hands and ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in. And she said unto him, I'm the daughter of Bethel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. And she said, Moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. Notice what he does in verse 26 and 27, and you've got to keep in mind what, uh, what he has already come through. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. 
And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, I being in the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Now in the rest of these verses, he gets introduced to the family. And in verse number 47, he reiterates, 47 and 48, uh, he reiterates and shares with them what happened back up in verse 26 and verse 27. Verse 48, he tells them how he prayed again. He adds a little bit to our knowledge of that prayer. He said, I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. Now, I believe that... Uh, the instrument through which God caused this young lady to believe was the instrument we find in verse number 26, the instrument of worship. And I want to preach tonight on this believing experience of worship. And I really believe, I really think tonight that all experiences in salvation even are worship experiences. When you got saved, if you'll go back and remember the moment in time you got saved, you will realize it was a worship experience. Yes. It was as the Apostle Paul who was smitten on the road to Damascus and from that, uh, as, he, as he was looking up, he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And there he began to communicate and to worship the Lord. Nothing will cause you to believe any more than what worship will. When you get in an old-fashioned Holy Ghost service, when God really comes down, I guarantee you, it'll make a believer out of you. But there are some ingredients, there are some things that I want you to notice about this believing experience of worship which this young lady who knows nothing about Abraham and Isaac becomes a believer when worship takes place. And I know she does because after this worship experience in verse 28, the Bible said the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. It was as though she was already captivated. She was already uh, saturated. She was already taken in by worship. Amen. But you see, if you're going to have a believing experience of worship, let me point out three things. I think, first of all, you've got to have a powerful witness. If we're going to have worship tonight, and we say that's what we go to the house of God for, the only way that we can have worship here tonight is we're going to have to have a witness. Somebody's going to have to have seen something and be able to share it with us so we can see it and then we all will worship together. A powerful witness. You can notice it. The reason why he worships here is because he has witnessed something. He has witnessed the answer to prayer. 
as he prayed in the earlier verses, verse number 12. And then the prayer was answered in verse 18 and 19. And his heart is overcome and overwhelmed about this answer to prayer. He has this in his spirit and in his mind. And this is what affects him and causes him to worship. It's because he has experienced something. He has witnessed something firsthand. He has witnessed God's answer to prayer. And it caused him to worship. He has witnessed God's hand in providence. As the Lord has brought this young lady there as as he is working it out so that there would be a union between Isaac and Rebekah. As God was orchestrating everything, as he was bringing it together, this servant, I say to you, is the one who is being able to witness that. Oh, I'm going to tell you, there cannot be too much emphasis placed upon the witness. The one that who has beheld, the one who has seen, because we gotta have a witness tonight. Yes, if we're gonna have a worship, yes, I remember several years ago we had uh, a blind fella, brother Jim McKinnon, in the church that I pastored. He's still a member there, precious saint of God. And uh, one year. We were having a Christmas play having to do with the star that followed Jesus to the manger, the wise men followed. And uh, we made a star, a huge star that went all the way to the ceiling, put it on the wall right there, put lights all around it. And of course, nobody knew what the play was about except those that were going to practice it. And uh, on Sunday morning, after the star had been put up that week, Brother Jim McCannon stood up blind and began to witness. And he said, I don't know this morning if there's a, any kind of star in this church for Christmas. But he said, in my heart, I see a big star. And he began to witness about a star that was much bigger than the star that we had on the wall. He was talking about that star that followed Christ, and ultimately he was talking about Christ. And as he began to witness about that star, rubbing his hands together, all the saints knew that we had that huge star on the wall that he knew nothing about. <laughs> but then we all began to see the big star. That he was sin. And honey, it turned into a gully washer, a gully washer of a worship service because somebody testified of seeing something. Isn't it amazing in the midst of a dry service? God, sometime during the week, has spoken to one heart, and that one heart begins to erupt of an experience that they had with the Lord, it just goes like wildfire. Amen. And maybe some saint will be up singing. 
And as they began to sing, they began to see what they're singing. And as they begin to see it, you begin to see it, and then everybody begins to see the same thing. Because there's been a witness. And I'll tell you the problem with our churches most of the time is not that we're not coming or not that we're not going through the motions and we're not doing the things that we should be doing, is that there's very few times we come in with a witness. We've got to have somebody that's seen something before we can have worship. And so he's witnessed some things and he can't hold it back. He's got to tell it. Boy, I'm going to tell you, that's when preaching is on. I love to preach when I'm a witness. What I mean by that is when I'm a seeing something. And I'm telling you about it, and then you begin to see it. Honey, we're fixing to plug in to something big. There's a witness coming on, a testimony. Thank God of what the Lord has done and what he is doing. God to have somebody that's seen God, somebody that God has spoken to, somebody that the Lord has let know something to be a witness. You see, a lot of times we send folks out to knock on doors to tell folks about something they ain't never seen. 1 John 1, verse number 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that your fellowship may be with us. I don't want saints that ain't seen nothing talking to sinners. Because <laughs> you ain't going to do them no good. But honey, sometime on the job while you're working on that machine, the Holy Ghost gets to moving and rumbling in your soul and gets to saying something to you. You might move over and talk to that sinner a little bit because you got something to say then. You can witness a little bit. <laughs> it's probably what's the problem with the majority of our us preachers and our preaching in this hour. We preach so many times when we haven't witnessed anything. Gotta see it. Turn the light on. I'm talking about there has to be a powerful witness. We're not gonna have a meeting here this week unless somebody's able to see something and tell us about it. I tell you, I've got to the place that I don't really care where that comes from. As I've already said, if, if it comes from a testimony, a prayer, or a song, or from the sermon, it makes no difference to me. If you get to seeing something, honey, share it. That's what it's all about. And, and he's seen something as a result of that in verse 26 and 27. He, he worships over what he's witnessed. And you can't worship unless you've witnessed you're wasting your time. You're going through the motions. Oh, he's witnessed. But you see, if there's going to be this experience of believing worship where this young lady is going to believe, not only do you have to have a powerful witness, but I want you to notice also in verse number 27 that you have to have the presence of another world. Boy, this thing just can't be one-sided. We can't, that's what religion is. Religion's all one-sided. Religion's all the efforts of men going through their little rituals. 
their little pious experiences, their little services. I don't care what they are. I don't care if they are Buddhists or Muslims or Hindus or Baptists or Presbyterians or Methodists. We're no different tonight than any other religion in this world unless heaven shows up. <laughs> but if heaven shows up, honey, you talking about a difference, it'll make a difference. And notice how heaven shows up. He begins to worship, he bows his head, and there, there is this entrance into another world. He moves beyond the time zone. Oh, listen. He's in outer limits. The twilight zone. Look at it in verse 27. He bows his head and he, in verse number 27, here's his prayer. Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham. He tells us in verse number 48, he even mentions Abraham's son. You see, there is, there is something about worship that is so intriguing. And that worship enters a whole new realm that this world knows nothing about. We operate in the now, and that's all we can operate. We cannot operate in the tomorrow. We cannot operate in the past. But you see, when you enter into worship, worship has no limitations nor no boundaries. There is no yesterday in worship, and there will be no tomorrow in worship. That's why when we worship God and we begin to pray, we can pray about things that are way over there. Two thousand miles, pray about them ten thousand miles away. And we can pray about things way over there because in worship there is no here nor there. It is not limited to space and distance. Worship is not limited to time. And so what he does when he enters into this realm of worship, into this new world, he begins to pray. And he says, oh, Lord God. And what he does is he brings God on the scene. Now, this young girl ain't never seen God, but she's a fixing to. Lord God! Man, I'm going to tell you, I love it when God shows up and shows off, don't you? When the Lord gets in on the scene, when He takes over, He prays God damn. And then he reaches all the way back over to Mesopotamia. And in the presence of this young lady, while he is worshiping, he grabs Abraham and pulls him over here. Oh, God, he said, I'm praying about my father, Abraham. And then he continues to pray, and he said, and also, I want to say something about his son. And he gets Isaac and brings him over there. Oh, listen. You said, preacher, that ain't possible. Honey, that's what worship's all about. Worship's entering into a spirit that involves all of God's young'uns in all time and eternity. 
That's why we can bring our burdens to the Lord and leave them there because God's able to take care of the tomorrows in worship. And right there at that one spot, he's praying about the past, the present, and the future. He's bringing it all together. And there they are able to worship. And honey, when you worship, don't you feel like and know that you've entered into an infinite world where God is. I remember preaching at a place in a little mission in West Virginia years ago. And the pastor had, there were some churches from 30, 40 miles away that had driven in from Monday night and Tuesday night to the meeting. And the pastor kept telling me, he said, now on Wednesday night there won't be nobody here but us. And that meant just his family and one or two others. And he was trying to brace me for it. And I said, well, I'd be all right. So sure enough, Wednesday night come and there was seven of us there. His family, one or two others, and me. And I got up that night, of course he was apologetic, and I said, man, don't worry about it. And I got up, opened my Bible, read my text, and the world blew up. I mean, God showed up on the scene. And I don't even know where I was at half the time. I don't normally do this, but them old rickety pews, I was going across them, under them, all over the front. Flips and cartwheels, I'm telling you. I'd have loved to have a tape of that sermon. <laughs> and when I got finished, I said, Now, folks, if anybody asks you how many was here tonight, you tell them you don't have any idea. Because I know the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost showed up. I witnessed that. And I said, I'm pretty sure that that great host that encamps about us, I believe they is all here. And you probably couldn't have counted the angels, so we got no idea how many was in this service. Oh, I'm here to tell you. In this thing of believing worship, she is able to see another world. She is able to witness when God is moving on the scene as he bows his head and he worships the Lord. And God comes on the scene. Aren't you glad for those times when the Lord shows up? And does it make, doesn't it make a believer out of you? Mm. Have you ever went and heard somebody preach? I remember an old preacher coming to the mountains. And, uh, well, he was in the mountains. Everybody came to our area and preached. A preacher had him just for a one-night service. And uh, he preached, and I'm telling you, that was the flattest, awfulest service, I, you know, that I thought I did. If you've ever been in a bad service, I mean, it's the worst one you've ever been in. You know what I mean? And uh, it was that way. But he already had the guy scheduled for a week. And I thought to myself, Lord, I, don't, I can't put up this for a week. I mean, <laughs> I don't believe I'll come back. I was just a young preacher, and he preached that night. And I mean, it, just, it wasn't his fault, that just the service was flat. I mean, the first note on the piano, you ever been there? Yeah. I mean, everything was flat. And uh, so 
About three or four months later, sure enough, he came back for the meeting. <laughs> From the first note on the piano to the last night, amen, in the service on the last night after about six or seven nights of meeting, it was on. God moved through that place. And what a difference. <laughs> I said, I ain't never heard no preaching like that. But see, that first night he come, I said, man, that's the poorest preaching I ever heard in my life. <laughs> what a difference it is when heaven comes down, the songwriter said, and glory fills my soul. You see, where you have the experience of believing worship, you've got to have a witness. And you've also got to have the presence of another world. We've got to call God down on the scene. Brethren, we've got to have the Holy Ghost all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And what a difference it is, though, when He does show up. But then I want you to notice with me, lastly, how that in this believing experience of worship, we have the persuasion of this woman. How God has used it, because I notice again in verse 28, after he has worshipped, the Bible said, the damsel ran and told them of her house these things. And if that's not enough, in verse number 58, the Bible said, They called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. It seems to me as though this little bit of worship here has shown her enough to change her whole life. She is totally 100% persuaded that there is another world, another country. Why, when she runs back into that tent, she is so excited, and she says to her mother and to her brethren, let me tell you about another world, another country. Let me tell you about an Abraham. Let me tell you about an Isaac. <laughs> and I'm sure they're wondering, well, how do you know you've never been there? Oh, no, she's never been there physically. She's never seen it with the human eye. But I'm going to tell you, in an atmosphere of worship, you can see so much more than what you can see with the human eye. She is able to see unseen things that convinces her that everything this, this servant has said is so about that country. Her heart is set and her heart is sealed as she sees that. She is speaking of unseen things. You see, tonight I come to you preaching about a country that I've never seen. I have never seen heaven. Of course, I have never seen the Lord Jesus with the physical eye. I was preaching in a meeting in Ohio here a while back, and a fellow came out, and he said, Preacher, I want you to know that I died and went to heaven, and they sent me back. I said, You did? He said, Yeah. And he said, I saw Jesus. Well, I was curious. I said, well, what did he look like? He said, look like the pictures. <laughs> well, I don't know where he went, but if he saw Jesus, I don't think he looked like that. 
But honey, I don't have to see no picture. And I've been to Israel, I've been to the tomb, and he wasn't there. But that didn't bother me. And I don't have to watch the specials on television to know that there was a Noah's Ark and that they walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. I've already seen it with the spiritual eye and the atmosphere of worship. The Holy Ghost told me it was so and made a believer. 32 years ago, I run headlong into the Holy Ghost and it ruined me for this old world. I am a believer, and as the songwriter said, it's real, it's real. I know it's real. I'm glad tonight that I can report to you that all those things are so. Though I have not seen them with the human eye, I have seen them with the heart of worship. And we leave with authority in our soul. Isn't it something like a, how an old sinner on the road to hell, many times a drunkard, can get saved on Saturday night, be on church, in church on Sunday morning, testifying about another world. Because God's made a believer out of it. And honey, it don't take him all night. The Jehovah's Witness will tell you it takes six months for you to whatever saved means to them, but I've had them tell me that on two occasions. It takes six months for you to be a saved person because it takes six months for you to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I asked both of them, I said, well, what about the poor thief on the cross? They said, well, we don't know. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God in an instant can tell you enough that will last for all eternity because it was in one moment in one place that the little bit of gospel that I knew and I had heard just a few weeks before expanded and blew up in my soul when the Holy Ghost gave witness that Jesus was the Son of God that he did die was buried and rose again the third day and he wanted to save me and he did so and just that one little revelation of heaven did it all. <laughs> I didn't go to school for it. I didn't learn it. My dad is an alcoholic, never set eyes on my mama. And so I didn't get it from them. You say, where'd you get it? Heaven revealed it to me. And I've been a worshiping in that atmosphere ever since. It's that same spirit. It ain't, it ain't no different. You're just plugging into it different times, different places. Same spirit. Isn't that something? Huh? Well, what he, was, what he brought to her, she coupled up to, became persuaded of it. And now she's got the same spirit in her that he's got in him. And the only two people in this world that know anything about that world... It's him and her. Right. <laughs> that's all he's talking about, and that's all she's talking about now. Yes, she's ready to go, uncouple and head to that world because of an atmosphere of worship. Yes. And I'm here to tell you tonight the thing that will make believers out of all of us is when we can witness in our worship. When the Holy Ghost 
from another world will light in upon us. We'll leave out of here like an army. And on the next day, I'm going to tell you, if the Holy Ghost gets on you right real good, haven't you noticed this? When the Spirit of God really moves on you and you begin to worship, the preacher don't have to get up and tell you to go tell somebody. As a matter of fact, he can't stop you. You're going to have something to tell and you've got to tell it to somebody. Hmm? I remember when I met the Lord, when I got saved. I'll tell you, the next day I went to school. Had a, we called it a round table there in the library where a bunch of us boys always got. We didn't do much studying. We told our jokes and cussed and done whatever boys do at that age and ain't saved. And that's right, these boys are saved down here. I can tell it. I can look on their faces. Am I right? See there? <laughs> but when I went and went back to school that day, the first thing I wanted to do, I took a Bible with me, and I, I thought everybody in the whole world want what I found. <laughs> yes, I began to tell them around that table about what happened to me, and by Friday there wasn't nobody left at the table but me. <laughs> You say, why? Because nearly one of them saw what I saw. Because they had it, they'd have plugged into that worship. Honey, I've been feeding on that for 32 years. Plugging into worship. It makes a believer out of us. And they said to her, young lady, you going to go with him? She said, yeah, I'm going they said, well, how do you know? You've never been there. You've never seen no Abraham or no Isaac. Oh, she said, you ought to be in that service the other night. When he began to pray, she said, I, I heard him praying. It's just like I felt Abraham there. And I, it's just like I could reach out and touch Isaac. And, and, I, and God was everywhere. She said, boy, it was a service. Now, some of you are looking like you don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm not going to try to explain it to you because I done told you I couldn't. But, honey, if you know, if you've been there and touched heaven, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I don't have to explain it to you. You just enjoy it. Amen. And, oh, may God so move on our hearts and souls that we'll have a witness. Back, I guess, about five or six years ago, we come into service where I pastored 18 years on a Wednesday night. I never pushed anything. I just let the Lord do what He wanted to do. And on that Wednesday night, boy, it was just unusual. Somebody jumped up and began to witness. They'd seen something that day. Well, what they began to witness about, we all got to see. And then somebody else got to witnessing, and somebody else got to witnessing. I mean, we had a witness all over that place. And it, I don't know what time we got out on Wednesday night. Well, I went home, you know, and through the course of the week, I got my sermon ready for Sunday morning. And I got there on Sunday morning to open up the Sunday school, and before we could get Sunday school opened up, it was on again. They started witnessing all over the house. Witness, I'm going to tell you testimony after testimony, witnessing, witnessing. All the way through Sunday school, all the way through preaching, we never even had a break, and I mean on the end until 2 or 3 o'clock. 
went to the house, and you know how it usually is. If you have one of them services on Sunday morning, it's rough on Sunday night. I don't know why that is. <laughs> went back on Sunday night with my sermon ready. I thought, well, you know, praise God. I won't even have to study for tonight. I already got a sermon ready. Got there on Sunday night when I went in. The youth choir had already been practicing, and it was already on. It was on all Sunday night. Didn't get to preach then. Come back on Wednesday night. It's on Wednesday night. Come back on Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you, I even tried to get a hold of that thing. And I couldn't. It was bigger than I was. We went three solid weeks. And I'm going to tell you, there was no room. I couldn't get a word in edgewise. When I'd get up to start to open up the Bible and read my text, somebody would spring up and say, Preacher, and it's all over again. God are moving in waves through that church for three solid weeks. And it came from a witness. And that witness introduced us to another world. Honey, I'm going to tell you, we all were persuaded that it was so. Let's stand.